The Cooped Up Podcast is brought to you guys by Anchor.fm. People are always asking me, Koopa, how do I start my own podcast? And my answer, Anchor is the best place to go. Anchor is the easiest way to start your own podcast. It's free and it includes easy to use tools to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Not only is it easy to use, but Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on sites like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many, many more platforms. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So, do you want to start a podcast about sports, music, literature? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Cooped Up Podcast, the podcast that insists that you stay after the credits are done rolling. You're not going to regret it. As always, folks, my name is Koopa, and each week I sit down with one of my friends to talk about all the happenings in pop culture and whatever the hell we're doing uh, to keep ourselves busy in these trying times. And this week's folks, I am very excited to sit down with one of my uh, favorite people, on planet Earth. I say that about a lot of people, but I just love my friends, man. And uh, this man is no exception. He's an esports personality, a comedian, actor, and a host over at Shaq News. And uh, again, commentary brethren in arms. Ladies and gentlemen, please give me a warm, cooped up welcome to my good friend, uh, Rodney Conyers Jr. Rod, my man, how are you? I am doing great. I'm doing even better now that we're getting a chance to sit down and chit chat. I feel like this is probably the closest to commentary you and i've ever done together i don't think we've ever got a chance to do a, a block in all of our years of commentary isn't that some shit we got one block at a local <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, but like you know i don't know. yeah you know it was somebody's birthday we're, that's all we're gonna say so yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it, it wasn't ours that's no <laughs> it was not but nah man i'm for real i'm i'm so excited to sit down and talk to you today and this is uh, again episode 14 of cooped up coming to you guys um this will be coming up uh tomorrow afternoon and uh you want you know when i was kind of penning you know people who i wanted in this initial wave just this phase one of of my podcast you know i was like who are some people that like i i uh you know i wouldn't feel bad like sliding into their dms asking them to be on a podcast people who i enjoy the company of and i you know greatly enjoy talking to them and you were very much at the top of my list um you are a you know, again, where we have the esports connection again, like most of the people that I bother to come on my show, we have crossed paths in the Super Smash Brothers community. But you also wear a, a, a plethora of other hats, and we also have like a, a shit ton in common outside of just you know, occasionally getting paid to talk about video games every couple of weekends. Yeah, most definitely. Um, and I think that's just one of the things that you and I, you know, really, um, really find our like interconnected tissue on. Um, I think we're both, I know we've been around each other a handful of times, but the few times we really got to kick it, kick it at events, I began to realize like, oh man, Koopa likes to laugh like me. And as long as I'm around people that like to have a good time, obviously good laughter, safe laughter, you know what I'm saying? Then I'm, I'm here, I'm here for it. And, um, you know, every time I'm around you, man, it's always jokes, you know, it's always, you know, what, what can we do later? Can we kick it? Can let's grab a drink? Let's meet up. Let's do something. And, you know, if nobody else is going to be down to hang, I know Koopa will no matter what. Yes, sir. I'm always down for an overly priced hotel bar drink faux show, and I, yeah. <laughs> I miss it much more than I thought I would. I, I ain't gonna. I'm not even gonna front. 
Man, it has definitely been quite a while. Next drink is on me. Well, I'll just have to get it to you in payments, but it's, it's on me for the next one. <laughs> I'm here for it. But yeah, so we've known each other. I, I, I remember we met each other. It was at Frostbite 2017, mm-hmm. if I'm correct, which is uh yeah about four years ago. I remember I met you the week before I started my old new job and now i'm here with a new new job and uh we're still you know we're, we're still kicking it man we're still here in our in our seat <laughs> you know four years later you know doing doing that thing yeah i mean it's not out of the ordinary for you to start and finish things i mean that's the koopa special i've known you to <laughs> you know pick something up and stick to it as long as you can and yeah man i mean you know what's funny is i was actually just thinking about you the other day um i was talking to somebody about commentators that kind of just had a big boom like overnight like they had always been really good but they finally had that one like really good block that showed the world how good they were and they just stuck at it and and you were the one that i brought up because i remember um i think it was genesis 3 i was like watching your block i I think it was with phil or or ee at the time and i couldn't Mm -hmm. help but to think i was like ee is really funny if he ever gets on the mic with somebody who can match his cadence you know his candor his type of humor the the Twitch chat is going to love it. And then you got on there and I was like, who's this Koopa guy? And you got on there and murdered it. And I was like, this is the guy like he's next. <laughs> he's, this is, this is him here. He's next. I, I, let's, I greatly appreciate that, you know, of course. And yeah, no, um, yeah, Genesis. It's wow. It, it's really kind of puts into perspective how long I've been at it. That was you know, almost six years ago or I, I think over six years ago at this point, whenever that tournament happened. And, who boy, <laughs> really makes a man feel old, especially in, in a community where, like, if you're over the age of, like, 25, you're automatically a geezer, so. <laughs> right, man, I, I just found out that Hungrybox and I are around the same age, so I, Hungrybox looks like a the 40-year-old man, you know, at least with the way he carries himself, <laughs> and I found out, wait, Hungrybox is 27, 28? Oh, my God, what the hell? I thought, dude, we're the same age. I gotta get that type of shit out of my head, dude. Hung is yeah. a mindset. Whoa, yeah. hold on a second. Let me Let me not say that too sparingly in the smash community yes if you're yes. over the you know uh, if both if everybody's over a certain age of course you know age is a mindset you know it, you don't have to be old you know what i mean you can you know it's just you know you are as young as as you you know portray yourself to be and i, I think in a community like an esports one where you know a lot of broadcast talent you know they look good for a long time and they sound good they take good care of themselves i'm still finding out that some of these guys that i watch from like league of legends are like 40 fucking years old. I'm like, dude, you're you're 40? I said, dude, you look 25. You look damn good. You know what I mean? But, yeah. Crazy stuff, man. No, for sure. But, um, yeah, we, we met each other in 2017. I remember I got contacted by uh, some folks in the Midwest. They're like, hey, listen, we're looking for commentators for uh, Frostbite 2017. And, you know, obviously now, in retrospect, Frostbite has, has evolved into one of, like, the, you know, the bigger – Esports events of, you know, the beginning of that year usually happens in January, February of whatever that calendar year is. And um, I remember I got contacted by some people. They're like, hey, listen, we're looking for commentators like we, uh, you know, we, we'd love to be able to work with you. And I was like, all right, hell yeah. And that event was was cool because it was the first time I had traveled like outside of my region without my usual like group of constituents to go with me. So it was like my first time on a plane by myself, my first time like having to like you know, room with people who I, I not necessarily did not like, you know, know at the time. And I was like, damn, like I gotta like 
I don't want to say with a complete like randos, like, you know, I, <laughs> I snore when I sleep, you know, I, I don't want these people to like, <laughs> yeah, I'm kill. aware. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will, uh, uh, next drinks on me in payments also. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was like, Oh, you know, uh, Rod's going to be there. I'm just like, all right, cool. So that's one person. And then, you know, we, we eventually, you know, filled out the rest. And I was like, you know, it's always a little tepid when you're, you know, you know someone from the internet because we'd been like, you know, we'd been in each other's mentions, you know, well before that uh, tournament happened. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, you know, it's one thing when you like talk to someone on the internet and then you meet them in person, and it's like, you know, the it's a little tepid. You know, things could be, you know, different or weird, or you know, I could be getting catfished this whole time. Um, but no, you you were very much the person you were on the internet uh, in real life. We we kicked it. We had a great time and. Yeah, I, I just, again, we, we commentated at a bowling alley that night together for somebody's birthday. We wore party hats. <laughs> we did. I remember I got really sick, too. I, I ended Yeah. Up getting, oh, what man. Was, what was the beginning of the frostbite flu? I, I might have been the, the typhoid Mary there for that. I don't know what the fuck happened to me. I either might have shaken too many hands or maybe open mouth kissed one too many people. And I got, <laughs> I just got fucked up, dude. I don't know what the hell. I, I just remember being so sick. And I was like, guys, I'm going to just sleep on the floor. I don't even want to, like, looking back on it, it really doesn't matter because we're all sharing the same airspace. But I had I had a flu, and I remember I had a block with, I mean, I don't, trigger warning, of course, you know, I, I had a block with D1 that next day. And I was like, this is a really big deal. You know, D1 was, was the guy. And so I'm like, and I just met Koopa, and I just met Dyer and all these guys. I'm like, I'm trying to make a good impression. And bam, actually, I met a lot of people that, that weekend. And I was like, I want to make a good impression. I was like, I'm going to sleep on the floor and try to heal up. I don't want to get anybody else sick. And then the next morning, I was sicker than what I was yesterday. And it's funny. Actually, if you go back and look at those photos of myself and D1 together, I have a lot of makeup on. Shout out to my homegirl, Magma. Yes. She had me dolled up in makeup. And I just looked like fucking tails from the crypt. I looked bad. Like, <laughs> bags were huge. I, my skin looked really pale. But you know what, man? I'm smiling through it in the name of Smash. But I look like some shit. <laughs> dude i for, i completely forgot about that like it got so bad to the point where you were like yeah i might have to go to the emergency room i was like oh my god like are you gonna be okay and you know all said and done you you were pretty good and listen i'm i have a whole newfound appreciation for like <laughs> taking care of oneself and like you know not uh <laughs> not over committing when one is sick you know as after the past you know how long this year you know plus has has been uh, for health, but no, Frostbite was not the, the end of our adventures. You know, we had since kicked it at other events, and you're always one of my favorite people, you know, to run into at, at any given time. And I got to say, like, some of the fun of having a podcast, especially when I'm, like, leaning on, you know, people that I know and a lot of my friends, it's a great opportunity to just kind of, like, you know, kick it and, and, and talk about what we've been up to. So, uh, yeah, this, this, is, uh, this is great. I'm looking forward to it. We got a, a full plate of stuff to talk about today, Rod. I hope you're, I hope you're, uh, you're ready. I most definitely am. I've been thinking about this since you brought it up. I'm like, a chance to shoot this shit with Koopa? Let's fucking do it. <laughs> but so, so I brought up at the top of this that um, you you wear a lot of hats. So I, I wanted to ask you, uh, mm-hmm. and I, I've, I've been asking this guest this question to a lot of my guests, uh, you know, the past couple of weeks. Do you remember your earliest memory with like video games or like how you knew that you really liked video games? Um, I oh god. My earliest memory would probably have to be like watching my father play. My father isn't like the biggest gamer, but my dad is probably one of the 
the people on my Mount Rushmore just in terms of like liking a lot of things and like it being okay to just be into other things besides what they stereotypically imagine African-American boys to be into, which is like basketball and and one mixtape and G unit and shit, right. you know, back in 2003, like my father was the one who took me to my first comic book shop. He worked the video game section at Walmart, which was right next door to my grandmother who worked in the fabrics department. So, um, you know, if I would ask for things for Christmas, whatever my dad didn't get me, then I knew my grandmother would get me because, you know, they just worked right next door to each other. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. You, sometimes you gotta, you gotta work the system a little bit, man. Yes, uh, sir. <laughs> um, and then, um, he's also one of the people who got me into like collecting sneakers. Cause my dad has a, a massive Kobe Bryant sneaker collection, probably like top five on the planet. No exaggeration. Cause he's my father. It's absolutely ridiculous. And, um, <laughs> I just think, you know, I model, my father worked really hard. My mother and my father did. Um, and of course, there are a lot of attributes about myself that I get from my mother as well. Just obviously she's my mom, but my father is the one that really taught me hard work and determination. Um, I never really, I don't really know what my father's dreams and stuff were before he started having kids. You know, according to my mom, it was really, um, it was really just, he wanted to have a family, you know what I mean? And really, I would imagine filled the shoes that his father left, you know, when they were younger. But, um, you know, with him being the man that he was, I kind of modeled a lot of myself after that. But uh, obviously, you know, I, well, I'm not obviously, but I'm a lot more loose than my father is in certain areas. Um, you know, my father's a lot more grounded than I am, a lot more determined at times. At times, I can be very emotionally driven to do things. And in that same turn of breath, being emotionally driven means that there are times where you just don't feel like doing a goddamn thing. And my father has the tenacity and the dexterity to work through that where I do not. I'm almost like um, my father is like a full-blooded superhero of some sort. I'm like half and half. You know what I mean? I, I, I can tap into that energy every so often. But um, regardless, though, not to go off too much, he's the one that really showed me video games. And then, of course, my brother and I played a lot of video games together growing up. My sisters did as well, too. I have a younger brother and I have two younger twin sisters. Um, but I have an older cousin named Maurice, um, and him and I and my younger brother, we would play games together all the time. And then from there, I met one of my uh, one of my cousin's buddies. His name was Anthony, and he's the one that got us really into Tekken heavy, heavily because a lot of people don't know, as much as I like Smash, I like Tekken just as much. It just so happens that Smash was the easier of the two options to get into, but also the poorer of the two options. Um, <laughs> Tasty Steve and those guys are making a shit ton of money in Tekken, and I'm scrounging for scraps in my Thanos voice over here in Smash, but uh, <laughs> going hungry every night, you know? Yes, sir. Um, but yeah, um, it was really just like family. And I think that is always the full shtick and the full like synopsis of video games. You know, they are meant to be played, of course, by yourself. But the ultimate experience of what gaming can be is when you do things with other people. And so growing up with a Nintendo console, you know, you got four siblings, you know, nobody's getting a PlayStation, okay? Like, you're going to get something that has four players on it. And so, you know, I just think with Smash, I didn't grow up in the arcades. You know what I'm saying? Smashers grew up at home on the consoles where, like, the Tekken portion of me kind of grew up more in the arcade. Smash was played more with family and stuff. All my cousins are really big on Nintendo games, um, dating all the way back to the Super Nintendo. I remember, like, um, like holidays, Thanksgivings, Christmases, all the cousins that, you know, get together. And mind you, there's a, a shit ton of us because my grandmother and grandfather had seven children and then each one of those children had four or five plus kids. So there's a lot of us at my grandparents' oh, place. Oh, man. Yeah. 
There's a shit ton of us, and we're shit talking and playing Super Mario Kart, Mario Kart 64, the original Super Smash Brothers, Street Fighter, Biker Mice, you name it. The cousins and I are trying to test each other's lineage and and uh, you know who's the most loved and who's the most <laughs> prominent uh, based off of you know eight bit graphics and stuff. Which I'm sure the kids listening nowadays might think of it as whatever, but back then, I mean, all you really had was you know, the people around you that you loved and the game itself. There was no online or any of that good stuff to bitch about like how we do these days, right? Yes, sir. I, I love that so much. And it's a very interesting, uh, you know, path that that took because, again, most of the people I talk to, they credit a lot of where their love for video games started with, you know, with with siblings primarily. And, and you, obviously, the same. Um, but I think that's so cool that your dad was really your gateway drug into, you know, a lot of the things that have, you know, shaped your personality. And my, you know, my dad's always kind of been the same way. Like my dad has always, you know, very, uh, <laughs> he's always had like a very casual, like, you know, uh, thumb on the pulse of like whatever's hip and pop culture, whether it be, you know, comic books or, or movies. And, uh, my dad really liked Star Wars growing up. Like my dad showed me a lot of sci-fi movies growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I told, I told the story on a, on another podcast, I think. Um, but my dad introduced me to back to the future, uh, which is my favorite movie of all time. And I remember I watched it and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And it was during a time where, you know, you couldn't like record something on TV or you couldn't order something on demand. You had to wait for it to pop up. You had to like search the cable, the TV guide channel mm-hmm. and, and wait for the right opportunity to pounce on the movie. So then that's I watched Back to the Future 2 and then I remember Back to the Future 3 was like coming on but it was going to be at like 11 o'clock at night which at the time you know I'm like 11 12 years old that's late for me yeah if I'm up yes, that sir. late they'll they'd kill me so I I stayed up late past my parents going to bed to watch the movie one night and my dad comes into my room and I thought he was going to yell at me but he just pulls up a seat right right next to me and starts watching a movie with me and I was like man like this this is great so like I definitely uh it's it's always nice hearing like you know similar sort of perspectives from other people about how you know your parents can also be the ones that can get hip and down with it with whatever's new and uh, and nerdy and all that stuff. Yeah, you know my my mom and dad were children of of the eighties or at least you know in their younger years like around our age and stuff and so you know coming into like the nineties and early two thousands they were still listening to a lot of Michael Jackson a lot of Prince. You know, my mom loves Back to the Future. She loves the Terminator franchise. My dad is really big on superhero stuff and whatever. So all of that type of stuff really rubbed off on me. Not so much like the academics and all that type of good shit that they would probably have (laughs) liked to rub off on me. Because, look, dude, come senior year, I was burnt out of high school. I was just like, look, just give me my diploma. I'm ready to go home. I'm done with this. I'm tired of getting up every day early. I'm ready to make some money. I'm ready to follow my dreams. And I, I know as parents hearing your kids say they're tired of high school and that they're tired of that type of stuff, it's probably a red flag. But looking you know, at it now, obviously none of us can see into the future, but just seeing where the world went and looking at how I read the terrain culturally versus how they were reading the terrain that had already been set culturally, you know, we were kind of coming from two different ideologies. I'm like, Dad, I love the fact that you, know, you guys stayed on us and whatever, but I think we all knew that like just taking that type of approach wasn't going to be my thing. Like I wanted to do what I wanted to do, I wanted to figure out how to make money doing what I love, you know, whether that be entertaining or, you know, sometimes at home I, I host sneaker conventions. I host um, I host what's called the, the Fly Ass Kicks Expo. 
Um, but fly ass kicks every day is also um, we use it as an acronym as fake. It's kind of like hype beast, like a little tongue and cheeky, you know. Ooh, but okay, we we host that here at home, and um, you know we get a lot of people. A lot of people come out. Like even Doctor Lupo came to one of the years we did it, you know, because he's from Nebraska as well. So oh wow, um, that's awesome. Yeah, it's serious, man, and it's tough because like I trying to explain that to my parents is one thing. Like okay, you have goals and things that you want to do. But then trying to explain to them that I'm not really so focused on if it makes me money or if it becomes a career choice is something that's going to freak your parents right the fuck out. And mm-hmm. so, but <laughs> they worked hard though for me to have the options to say what I want to and what I don't want to do, which was an option that most of our parents did not have as boomers. And so I thank them dearly for that. Um, but yeah, I attribute a lot of like just my interests and the way I go about life to the things that they showed me when I was a child. That's awesome. And I totally understand what you mean about, you know, having to tell, you know, face the music with your parents and then being like, you know, like, uh, listen, this this is the path that I want to take. It's not very it's not conventional. But, you know, this is something that I've I've shown a lot of interest in. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not every it's not every day where, you you know, a kid goes home to tell their parents. It's like, hey, I want to stop going to school so I can pursue esports commentary as like a side hustle. And you know, my, my dad was actually uh my dad was actually like the biggest like uh like proponent of that. Like my dad thought it was the coolest fucking thing that he's that I could like, you know, travel the country and start, you know, uh and you know, getting paid to talk about video games. And my mom, you know, was pretty lukewarm on the idea at first because, you know, she's the she's the mother, she's the protector, she just wants me to not, you know, starve and, and suffer. Um, right. but you know, I get a couple glasses of wine in her and she won't stop shutting up about how fucking proud she is of me. And I'm just like, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're out here. But, uh, does, um, you mentioned again that you, you, uh, you know, you wear a lot of hats as, as an entertainer and the shoe thing. I'm curious, what's the most amount of money you've ever like spent on a pair of shoes? Um, you know, when you have friends in high places, you don't have to spend any more than retail, but. There are a couple conventions that I go to because here in the Midwest, as you know, we're just all landlocked. So driving to another state is just a hop, skip and a jump. And so <laughs> I went to uh, an event in Oklahoma called Kick Lahoma, and that's put together by my buddy Juan down there. And trying to find size 14 sneakers is, is very hard. Trying to find size 14 rare sneakers is even harder. And so I uh, I ended up actually purchasing a pair of uh, Dave White. Air Jordan ones. Um, they did a collaboration back in uh, 2012, and um, this had to have been like 2018. So yeah, this is like right a year before you know pandemic season, and I think I spent 225, which I think looking back in retrospect isn't a lot because the shoe retailed itself at 175 dollars. Um, which I know for those of us who like Air Jordan ones, which is pretty much every hype beast in the sneaker game right now. Um, <laughs> that is a pretty hefty price, uh, at least for that time. But the box, it was like this premium hard wood kind of box and it had a lot of shoe tags and it had the detail on the shoe was very pristine. For anybody that's going to go back and listen to this, look up the Dave White Air Jordan 1 and you'll see where I'm coming from. You've probably seen me wear it at, at an event or two because they're not the most comfortable shoe in the world, but if I want to break some necks and, and you know put on my <laughs> showstoppers, I'll, I'll definitely put put those on yeah i'm googling them right now my god these look absolutely insane i'm about it yeah like yeah they are not true i it's so awkward for me when it comes to like i'm so boring when it comes to like my sneakers like i i wear strictly i wear strictly nothing but like skate shoes just because it's like comfortable and affordable for me um but like i've uh 
I'm I'm recently starting to like experiment more with uh with high tops because I was always very cautious of high top shoes when I was a kid. Uh, mostly mm-hmm. because for some reason it felt like I thought it made me look shorter. Like I'm already like a naturally very short person, so like okay. I fe- it was one of those things where I was I for some reason I got in my head. I think a girl might have made fun of me on the playground one day or something like that in like the fifth grade, and she was like, "You look stupid." I'm just like, "Yeah, well, <laughs> okay, whatever." <Yeah. laughs> but, like, uh, hey, you're acting stupid, like. Who's acting? All right, yeah. jokes from you. We're actually <laughs> dumb over here. See, yeah, yeah that's a, that's my secret, Cap. I'm always stupid. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've I recently just been starting to buy, I uh, you know, like more like high top base sneakers, and I'm also like, uh, like because I buy like I'm I'm a Vans man, like uh, like through and through. Like Vans is, is a brand that I've been buying since I was over like ten years. Hell and yeah. um, I remember the, I got like really upset one time because they were doing a Marvel. They were doing the Marvel crossover. They did like, you know, three or four years ago. Yep. Um, And I remember I was like looking through the website. I'm like, yeah, these are these are cool or whatever. And they were doing like uh, they were doing a Black Panther high tops, which Ooh. were like the sickest fucking shoes. They had like uh, three tone like black fabric. Uh, They had like the, the necklace design on like on the on the soles. Mm-hmm. And it had the uh, the golden, you know, uh you know, uh, I guess they were like Killmonger's like spikes on like on like yeah. where you lace the shoes through to, to the top. And I was like, oh, these are fire! I gotta get these. And then I I I bought them when I was on in the car on my way to a baseball game, oh, and wow. I got the confirmation email like as I'm going there and as I'm checking my phone on the way out. They're like, oh yeah, we had to cancel your pre order. I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me, man! Uh. So sure enough, I walk into my local van store. That following Monday, because the the place I used to work at was, like, right next to a mall. So I went to the mall on my way home, um, and I lo and behold, I go to the van store, and they got them there. And I'm like, all right, we're here. And they're like, I've, I've only worn them, like, you know, a handful of times, uh, you know, because, like, like, for the same reason. You know, they're nice shoes. I only like to, I like to break them out for, like, the, the special, you know, the, the good china, you know. And, Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, those, those Great pair of shoes. I, I was I was a big fan. Well, trust me, we're we're teasing y'all with the Marvel stuff. We're gonna get to it soon. We're, we're, uh, we most definitely are. I'm but, uh, you know, in that same realm. I I'm pretty okay on Vans too. I only ever had two pairs. I had a I have a Weenie the Pooh pair actually. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I got a um. I used to have a pair of the um, Odd Future and Vans collab, the the Syndicate Vans, and so they were um just the regular old school low. But they have a, a pink sole and they had a, like a, a bright green top on them. And uh, I just thought they were the coolest shit ever. But I had to sell them because they were a 13 and I'm like a true 14. So I was kind of cutting it. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, you, th- them toes be screaming. Uh, Man, listen. Yeah. <laughs> I, dude, I, I don't know what it is. For whatever reason, like I've bought a – there's a pair of like Adidas like soccer shoes that I bought when I was uh, – God, how old is I? I, must, I think I was on vacation in Florida with my parents, and I, like, bought them, like, the wrong size. And, like, even if you're just, like, a half size off in those sort of shoes, it was the most uncomfortable thing I've ever experienced in my life. It was oh, yeah. wild. Like, yeah, seriously, man. Adidas, they they make some beautiful sneakers, but, like, their casual wear is, like, very, you know, it needs to be true to size. Or if not, go a half size up because I've – made the mistake of wearing some Adidas at an, at an event or two. And like, I'm commentating and I have to take my shoes off while I'm casting. And I'm just like, Oh my God, my toes are dying. Yeah. The dogs definitely be barking. That happened to me at, um, it was at let's make big moves. Actually. I was, I bought a pair of high tops, um, strictly for that event. 
And usually in like most lace up shoes, I'm like a nine and a half, and only in like slip on shoes, I'm at like a ten. Um, but then it dawned on me that weekend that like, no, maybe I'm just a true ten now <laughs> because my my feet were so uncomfortable. I was suffering the whole weekend. Oh, um, my. yeah. So now I'm I can <laughs> I've reached the promised land of being double digit in shoe size. It's as someone that is is a a very tall five foot four. Uh, that is, that, that, that's that's all I've ever wanted in my life, and I, um, I, can, I can I can say it I can say it with my whole chest that I'm a size ten now when I go to the bowling alley. Like they there you go, man. It's respect that's on my what name. I'm talking about it's see it's the I almost said it's the little things, but then I would I wasn't trying to. <laughs> <laughs> it's a small world. <laughs> yeah, that's the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Thank that's you. right. <laughs> Thanks for um, coming by. <laughs> but, I need uh, to, I I need to come back out to the tri-state area, man. Like all my friends, it just you know I. I think life is going to take me to um, Tri-State just semi-permanently or possibly permanently one day. Come through, baby. You know, I, you know I'm, I'm, I'm taking your ass to a diner. Now that I got this shot, I'm ready to act up. Like, yeah. we're out of here. <laughs> New shot. Who's this? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, a couple of other things I wanted to ask you. Um, so I know that you uh, talk a little bit about how, cause I know you as the, you know, most people know Rod, the esports commentator slash slash host. Um, talk a little bit about like Rod, the stand-up comic or Rod, the, the actor, like where did your interest in, you know, acting and stand-up comedy, uh, stem from? Um, what's funny is I felt like deep down, I was always an entertainer and I know every commentator says that or whatever, every, most people do. And, um, at least that work on air, but it varies from person to person. But I, I think I was always like supposed to be an entertainer deep down. And um, what really actually showed me that I need to pursue that more is actually working in commentary because coming into comment, coming into anything, really, you need a plan. And so when I came into commentary, I had a very specific plan on like who I wanted to be, how I wanted to be viewed, how, what I wanted to sound like and so on and so forth at that time. And then, of course, like every other artist in the world, you know, you change, you know, your flow and things as things progress. So like coming into commentary, you know, I. Uh, you know, people knew me for what they knew me for. You know, I was another six foot tall black guy amongst all the other six foot tall black commentators. So I already knew like coming in, I was already at a disadvantage because of that. But uh, I think I had a different type of cadence, of course, as being from the Midwest. And then, um, of course, fashion was the really big one that I think helped me stick out more than anybody else on the mic at that time, because you know, back then, I mean, I'm not saying that anybody dresses bad or whatever, but because I came from like a sneaker and like a that type of fashiony blog background, I just use commentary as a way to to um to kind of show off my fits. And right. so from there, I was like, oh, okay, like this is what people know me for. This is like this is my thing. Like I better you know keep upping the ante. And even to this day, like people will stop me at events and be like, yo, Rod, like. You know, your outfits are sick, you know, whatever. You know, I have to hit him with the friend dress, like, oh, this old thing, like, this is, you know, but in all reality, like, you know what I'm saying? I do, I'm, <laughs> I am dressed to kill, but, you know, I, there is more to me than that. And I think when I had that type of plan and mindset of, okay, I came into commentary in 2015 like this, and here I am in 2021, you know, about to work an event with evil geniuses and just all, I mean, we've all done really well for ourselves in our time in Smash. I'm like, if I can do that here, I know that I could apply this in, uh, into other areas. And so when it came to acting, I was always more of a, like an onstage actor or like, you know, comedian. I would like the, I like the instant gratification of a response after something that I've done. And so um, for those who know me like personally, or maybe who follow my tweets a little bit more carefully than some of the others, um, they know that I'm into musical theater. I love In the Heights. I love, you know, Hamilton, Les Mis. I like, I like all of that. 
And uh, what's funny is right now I'm actually in an improv class called Freestyle Love Supreme. And for those of you who don't know what that is, that is actually the improv class that Lin-Manuel Miranda and his buddies put together before In the Heights and before Hamilton. They used to get together and do improv rap sessions and act at the same time. And so um, I know I have a couple videos of me like at Genesis and stuff freestyling on stream. Um, but since then, like, you know, the craft has most certainly been refined and like basically long story short, next like IRL tournament, I'm I'm ready to cut the hell up because like um, <laughs> you know, just uh using basically the platform that we all use on Twitch to commentate or to stream, I I like using that to showcase like my other talents and other things that I'm into. Cause hopefully if I'm into these things, I can create a safe enough environment for other people who are who might be a little bit more timid on exploring that part of themselves because there aren't other like-minded people like them to come through to the channel and, and check some shit out. So, but yeah, that's pretty much where all that came from. Um, I don't know. I, I like writing. I like writing musicals. I like doing that type of stuff with my friends. And so, um, you know, that's really why, one of the biggest reasons why I see myself over in the tri-state area sometime here in the next so many months. I mean, of course, got to get vaccinated, but I got a lot of good friends out there. Of course, Broadway, and workshops everywhere like that's a big old thing in new jersey and new york everybody who knows any sort of performing art anything knows that you can't perform art at a professional level until you hit the tri-state area um what the girl i like is out in in that area um (laughs) there's just a lot out there that i feel like there's for me and sometimes things and situations and scenarios really speak to you and it kind of guides your heart and your mind on where it needs to go and i think right now with who I am and the people that I've had the pleasure of meeting like yourself. Um, I just think it's just taking me there. I need to be around more fun people. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that that's awesome, man. I, I love every bit of that. And I'm so, I said this in a, I forget when I, I was talking to one of my friends about this, but one of the things that 2020 and the pandemic um, took away from me was I was really gunning to like, uh, you know, do more. Imp- I was really going to like do improv classes and stuff this year. I am a child of the theater. I, I was, I was always in like, you know, choir classes growing up. I was in the drama club, you know, all, uh, you know, four years of, of, of high school. And, you know, for a brief moment in time, I flirted with the idea of going into musical performance as sort of a, as a career thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, spoiler, it didn't pan out, and I have a pot, and I host a podcast now. So, oh, but, I don't fucking say that. I knew you were going to say that. I have a pod. We're, we're at our, our, our midlife crisis where we got we, we do podcasts now to get it off our chest. Yeah, no, but um, it just, you know, it, at that moment in time, it did not work out for me. But commentary, again, it's the same as, as you, Rod. Um, it was really gave me an outlet to do what I've always loved doing, and that's to make people laugh. I've always been a big entertainer. I, I I remember, um, I had a teacher writing a yearbook, uh, one year that <laughs> I was in like the, the first, first grade. And I always did this joke where I tell everyone in the class to like, look behind them. And then I run when they call my bus. <laughs> and so like, I'd always be like pretending to do like a disappearing act. And when I graduated, like high school, like my teacher, like wrote that down in, in my yearbook. And she was like, I remember you doing this all these years ago, and I hope you continue to like make people laugh one day. And I was just like, Yeah, you're right. I got, I got, I got to, you know, put into work for my for my first grade teacher. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, I was, I, uh, I have such a love for theater. Um, you know, you brought up, uh, you know, Hamilton, Lin Manuel Miranda, and uh, <laughs> my dad again is uh, a huge uh, 
my my dad watched was watching Hamilton bootlegs on his phone, like the Ooh. entirety of quarantine, and then they put it on Disney Plus, and now he just won't shut up about it. Like it's, it's so good, it's, man. It's, it's great. It's good. It's, it's some it's it's so good. Like I'm used, <laughs> it lives up to every semblance of hype. But I I love, uh, you know, musicals so much. And that's again another thing that I got from my parents. My mom, uh, it's like a it's like a Hispanic kid rite of passage that you have to watch West Side Story and the Heights. <laughs> like my mom was like, I am not letting you escape this. Your brother did it. Your sister did it. You're watching West Side Story with me, your mother. And I'm like, all right, fine. And you know, as a kid, I I hated it. But as an adult, I'm just like. Oh my God, this is amazing. And it still yeah. is. And I can't wait for whenever the movie comes out. But my mom was like constantly shoving those old musicals down my throat, whether, you know, West Side Story, uh, In the Heights, South Pacific. Ooh, like, oh, yeah. In like, the uh, Heights is my shit, man. Yeah. 96,000. I'm, <laughs> I'm so, I'm, I'm greatly excited. And like, I don't, for whatever reason, Broadway's just always like crossed over like very well in my house. I remember my, my brother was more embarrassed when I found his DVD uh, copy of Rent in his room what? than when I found other things hidden in his Xbox game case. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, really? Nah. <laughs> Find a, a, what, oh God, Cinnabons. <laughs> yes. and, and, yeah, <laughs> that's uh, right. Yeah. Um, um, yeah Rent, Rent is some good shit though. Rent is amazing. Yeah, no, it's it's one of my favorite musicals. Do you have, uh, do you got some other ones that you like? You can raffle off the top of your head that you're that you're um, a big fan of. I think a lot of young people typically resonate with Rent because of the storytelling and how um, how relatable it is with how they live their life. You know, as young people in the real world versus like how we live our life. Now, obviously, I, I'm not in any in any rush to get AIDS or HIV, but yes. I don't need any incentive <laughs> to get out in the streets and sing. So, um, <laughs> but, uh, rent was definitely the gateway and it's, it also opened up the genre, um, for my favorite type of musical, which is sung through, um, sung through musicals are my favorite. Um, I feel like it's the most in-depth, in-depth style of storytelling that you can use for not only lyrics, but also your music as well. Um, which is, you know, why I really like Hamilton as well. Hamilton is another sung through musical. There's no talking. The whole thing is wrapped and sung through. And, um, you know, in other shows as well, because like, I'm also a really big Disney fan. Um, you know, I like Aladdin. You know, I like Beauty and the Beast. I like all the more traditional style musicals where there's dialogue in between. And then we're talking, we're talking, and talking, and boom, you, you ain't never had a friend like, you know, when I were singing. <laughs> yes. But, yeah. <laughs> but in Hamilton, you know, like, uh, in, in order to kind of circumvent the um, uh, the dialogue that's not spoken, we use little motifs and little callbacks to other songs and other songs to kind of, you know, let you know, like, which character is more prominent now that they're talking and singing and whatever. I mean, we've all seen Hamilton. And if you haven't, you know, you're doing yourself a big disservice. But for friends who are going to go back and listen to this part of the podcast or who have made it up to this point, and who haven't left because they're already batshit tired of <laughs> Coop and I um, <laughs> definitely go back and, and watch Hamilton and Rent. Pay for it, of course. All right. I'm not going to tell you to bootleg it. Um, definitely pay for it. It's on Disney Plus. Rent 2008 is on YouTube, I believe, for free. Or if not, maybe it's like a couple bucks. Watch it. You'll love it. Those two are probably the ones I hold nearest and dearest to my heart. But there's other ones that fall up underneath as well that are very good. Yeah, uh, I I second everything you just said. Both those musicals are fantastic. I hold a lot of the older ones uh, 
you know, close to heart just for nostalgia's sake. I was in a <laughs> a high school performance of Grease when I was in high Ooh. school, so I was so Grease is always the word in my house. And uh, who are you? Who, who are I, you in the show? I was the dude with the guitar. Uh, I think his name was Duty. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, that was that was my shtick. That was my shtick in high school. I was the guy that could play the guitar. And uh, yeah, it stuck. It got me a role in the school play, and it was it was so much fun. Uh, I'll have to find some. I got to wear a leather jacket. It was awesome. Like, so oh. I I lost I lost that jacket. I don't know what happened to it. I'm very upset. You need to find that leather jacket. Just boosts your badassery points. Like you like it's plus on block. It's fucking. You can't. You, <laughs> nobody can stop you when you got a leather. Like, dude, what did you say to me? I have a leather jacket. And I was like, whoa, my bad, buddy. Yeah, right. I'm either, I'm either a fighting game. I'm either a fighting game character or Nick Cage and Ghost Rider. So, oh uh, god, don't say. <laughs> <laughs> And listen, that is a fantastic trans uh, transition into what I, uh, you know, we've been kind of hinting at a bit, you know. So, Rod, it's safe to say that you're a fan of of Marvel comics and Marvel in general. Is, is it safe for me to say that at this, uh, you know, thirty nine minutes into the podcast? Oh, <laughs> well, you know, when you put it that way, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, listen, I uh, I I couldn't have planned this any more perfectly. I've been trying to like time this up. <laughs> like uh with some other podcasts that i was doing uh you know regarding uh you know the marvel phase four stuff that's coming out right now but at the time of this recording mm-hmm. uh as of today uh 4 23 and you guys will hear this tomorrow uh the falcon and the winter soldier had has just concluded its six episode run on disney mm-hmm. plus now uh i was I've been dying to talk about the show with with people it, this show is it. is is really really good and so we're going to give some some light thoughts on how we feel about Phase 4 so far and what we thought of this show, spoiler-free. And then we will be – I will give a second audible warning from when we were diving into spoilers uh, because there's a bit, and this this movie is definitely going to have some implications down the line. So I'll start by asking, Rod, uh, what's your take so far on, on the new – on the two new Marvel shows we got so far, given every you know, that long hiatus that we had uh, from uh, you know last year to now? Um, you know, I think Wanda and Vision are the most popular of the side Avengers. And what I mean by side Avengers are when Thanos snapped, um, he got rid of all the side Avengers. You know, it's so Spider-Man, you know, Star-Lord, you know, he they basically kept the original six plus a, a small group of others. Um, but of all the side ones, they're the most popular because they're in love and because of who they are and what they mean to not only just the Disney MCU, but now the overarching uh, Marvel Universe in general. And um, I think we all, anybody who knows comic books knows that Scarlet Witch was somehow going to be the connective tissue between Disney and Fox and where does Magneto fall into place? And then the the 12,000 versions of Quicksilver and just all that type of shit. Like we knew it was going to all come from her um, realm of reality, um, figuratively and literally. Um, Yes. (laughs) She, um, I I like WandaVision. Um, I think with side characters, you have you need episodes to really paint out the complexity in them because up until this point they've a lot of them have been really one dimensional like looking at bucky and and falcon we know them as caps right and left hand men but like we know that bucky has a i mean to be frozen and then unfrozen and frozen and unfrozen you know you've lived you know almost the last 100 years what have you been up to you have a big story to tell and i also think falcon has a big story to tell just for the sake of you know I mean, I don't think this is a spoiler at all, but for who he's going to become once this all wraps up and being an African-American man in this day and age and 
and you know picking up the shield and putting on the costume and stuff um there's a lot of story to be told that i don't think would have really done them any justice in a theatrical setting um we need to really full flush these types of characters out and i think both series did it very well i think wanda doing the whole these are the tv shows i grew up on and each episode partakes and and that sort of template was super sick um I almost forgot like halfway into WandaVision, like, damn, nobody's really fought yet. Like, I, like yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not used to seeing this side of Wanda. Like, she's usually destroying shit or making people do stuff they don't want, which she still kind of was, but not with yes. the intent of fighting. Of course. And so, <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was an awesome experience. It was funny um, in parts. It was sad. It was somber as I, as I expected it to be. Um, you know, of course, she, she lost Vision. I think this is now the, the third... It was you no know, second time she's lost vision, um, which I'm sure is it hurts twice as hard for her, especially this this second go round. Um, you know, Vision, of course, is always a, a stand up character. Like I love, you know, Paul Bettany. I love the way he handles Vision. I love all of it. It's it's um it's super awesome. And um, you know, also looking at Falcon and the Winter Soldier, um, obviously not as magical. These aren't magical characters, these are the punchy and kicky Avengers. So you know, they're a lot more grounded and, and whatnot, but the, the complexity and the storytelling and how they tie that in, which is also not anything out of the realm of ordinary for some for a company like Marvel to tie in their superheroes to real world events, um, you know, tying in how they work in the real world now and up to date real world, um, you know, them going up against the flag smashers, just all of that. I thought it was really awesome. And there was a this is the first time and this is like super hot take here koopa this is the first time i really feel like there was something at stake here for these characters and it's odd that it came from the side characters now i'm sure anybody that's going to listen to this is thinking well what about civil war what about infinity war what about endgame i said yeah you know there was a lot on the line because of you know just it's a the climactic culmination of you know almost 30 films like you know there's a lot on the line but just example of Infinity War, I love that film to death. It's probably action-wise, probably my favorite of the four Avengers films. But when they went to Wakanda, I just never felt like I never felt like we were gonna lose. Not because I had high hopes for the characters, because I knew like if there's two parts and something drastic has to happen to force the second film, it was really more so along the lines of, okay, uh, we just met T'Challa in the film before. This was a big ass deal about people not from Wakanda being in Wakanda. And then, you know, just a few months later, we're in Wakanda. And not only are we in Wakanda, we're in Wakanda with a lot of white people. One red dude. <laughs> yes. Uh, a, a dude in a robot outfit who might turn green and, um, and a bunch of aliens. And I just felt like, given how the team, given the team's circumstances on why they're split up, they're split up because of what Wanda had did, um, you know, and just, of course, Bucky killing, um, you know, King T'Chaka. Like, I just felt like there should have been more in the line when we returned to Wakanda. Like, maybe Cap is a little bit more hesitant on fighting and maybe more focused on saving people as well as fighting, you know, because to evacuate a city that quick of that size is very difficult to do. So I would have liked to see more on the line than just we're all super powered, getting ready to fight these aliens. I'm like, dude, you're a big chunk of the reason why this team is split in half because, you know, you kind of allowed innocent people to die, I would imagine, you know, but that's just one example that I have of just me feeling like things were never really at stake. But when I, I watched WandaVision and when I watched Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I got to see what was really at stake here. And it ties into the metaphor of Marvel characters, the 
Um, DC characters are gods trying to be humans in day-to-day life, where the Marvel characters are more humans being portrayed as gods by the media and how the media chooses to handle them. And so seeing them be a little bit more grounded now and have to deal with the, the BS that us regular ass people have to deal with was super awesome. It was a super dope parallel between both series. No, I, I agree. I, um, I've loved both series that have come out so far and for very different reasons, you know, mm-hmm. uh, WandaVision was definitely a, uh, and again, you know, if you're not familiar with, with the whole, like how phase four got all fucked up because of COVID, um, the production cycle for a lot of these shows got all screwed up. Uh, you know, the originally phase four was supposed to kick off with, uh, Black Widow and then Falcon and the Winter Soldier was supposed to come after that. So by this point we were supposed to have gotten like two films and a TV show so far or two, two TV shows, uh, to be back on track. But instead, you know, because of the pandemic, things got shifted around and we ended up getting WandaVision first and then Falcon and Winter Soldier, you know, a week later after that. And. I think I love the way things have panned out so far. What I love about both the shows, like you said, they really t- take time to, you know, they really give you, uh, you know, you know, 10 episodes and six episodes respectively to spend time with these characters that you've gotten to see as, you know, the punchy characters every now and then. And uh, Anthony Mackie actually did an episode of Hot Ones on First We Feast where he mentioned in, a, uh, in an article, he said that being the, you know, the, the third or billing character in a movie uh, is great because you're the guy that everyone you know comes out of the movie uh, loving because you're the guy with the punchiest lines, and uh, and I was like, yeah, no, that that's great, and you know, I was a little bit curious about how these characters would stand up, you know, on their own in these settings, and they absolutely crushed it, you know, because they're professionals and they're and 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 they're great, but I love that both these shows kind of, uh, you know, not only give you the Marvel stuff that you look for, you want to see. You know the in references. You know you want to see Evan Peters playing Quicksilver in a in a Marvel property, and everybody loses their collective minds for the next four weeks trying to figure out what that means. Or mm-hmm. you know, but they they also are really good at um they're they're really good at, at focusing on the 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 real life aspects of what's going on. And that this in WandaVision like example, you know Wanda is suffering like fr- extreme trauma from losing the one that she loved. Less than like uh, I think it takes place like what like a a couple of weeks, a couple of days after the snap happened. Uh, right. If I'm yeah, if I'm remembering in context, so like you know you folk you spend a lot of time with a woman going through you know trauma you know of, of losing her loved one, and then you go into Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and it's not necessarily trauma, but there's a lot of weight on on Sam you know with the pressure to pick up the mantle of Captain America, and as you learn throughout the course of the series, uh, you know, whether it be Isaiah Bradley telling him, you know, there'll never be a black Captain America, no self-respecting black man will ever want to be Captain America. And then that leads to that conversation with him and Bucky, you know, Bucky, uh, you know, acknowledging that, you know, we didn't really consider how you would feel about this. And I apologize. And I'm just like, yeah, you know, this is great. that They're having these, you know, very serious conversations in a series that has been known for, you know, <laughs> you know, it's, it's dudes running around in their underwear trying to fight aliens or one of the big three, as they make a joke of it's you know, uh, aliens, warlocks, or wizards. Yeah, uh, that's right. But um, I thought both the shows were great. Uh, I like that we get it. We're getting a little bit of a mu- a break before we get back into this. Uh, everything with you know Loki coming up in June, and then we get back into the films with Black Widow, in uh, in uh, in July. But uh, yeah, I've as after watching both the shows, you know, it's hard for me to compare them both because you know there are definitely aspects of 
Falcon and the Winter Soldier that are a little bit slower. And yes. um, I was uh, and but I did appreciate that you know again they don't, they have less episodes to work with even though they're technically you know longer episodes, um, but I I love the way that I love the way that the the shows ended up going again in the finale you know we a lot of uh, the stuff that we've this is where we're gonna talk about the finale spoilers uh, by the way so we're gonna jump into it right now so uh, what did you think of the finale episode? <laughs> I I liked it. Um, I've one of my biggest gripes with Marvel was that. Characters when they are first introduced are absolutely broken. Um, the Winter Soldier when we first met him was I don't think Cap can whoop this guy. Like that that was my yes. thought just watching the trailer. <laughs> you know, and, and then they fought in the street, and I was like, Yeah, you know, I don't know if I've ever seen Cap get the hands like this before. And um, I mean, any of any of us who knew the comics obviously knew that that was Bucky, but it was still um it was still beautiful to see somebody go toe-to-toe with him like that physically. And, you know, same for, for Wanda and, and Vision. You know, when we first met them, I mean, this is the same woman that forced Tony Stark to have to use, you know, the fucking uh, Hulkbuster arm. He had to break the glass on, on Mr. Hulk, and, <laughs> and, which is something he probably thought he'd never have to do. But, um, and, and Vision, you know, when we first met Vision, he was broken, and he was broken in Civil War as well. And But then, you know, I think in the same turn of breath, when we get to see characters at their peak, we should also get to see them a little bit more grounded. And yeah, we know that they're tough, but this isn't really what the series is about. This series has a lot of exposition, a lot of, uh, you know, explain, uh, just e- explanations for things that we have questions on. And honestly, I know it's a meme, like Ant-Man going up Thanos' ass. Like, you know, that's that was always a big <laughs> meme. But I think the other one that really challenges that meme in terms of prominence is, what did Cap and Bucky and people like that who went to sleep in the 40s think when they woke up and seen all these people of color doing shit that, you know, people that looked like them did? And obviously we could argue and say, yeah, well, they fought for freedom, so they probably didn't give a shit. I said, well, you know, the, the, be that as it may, you know, when you culturally aren't used to seeing something, there's a lot of story to be told just in that, you know? And I think that this story did a pretty good job at kind of explaining maybe not so much what Cap's seen, but what what he was going to say and what, you know, we were going to talk about had he been in this series. Um, I liked it. I love the fact that we get to see Falcon do damage, you know, up until this point, he's really been, I mean, if Falcon's on your team, he's a good asset, but I'm also not like upset if I went into battle and was like, damn, and we forgot to text Falcon. Like, ah, shit. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, but we got to see what he can do now. Um, I love, you know, all the callbacks. I love the Easter eggs. I love the dialogue. I love the fact that he got to be, like genuinely funny because I always feel like Marvel was just a little too funny at times where we didn't need to be. And there's certain characters that need to only be funny and not anything else. And I thought that Anthony Mackie sells the, the comedy and the comedic aspect of, of, uh, of Sam Wilson very well. Um, we'll say I'm not entirely sold on the, first of all, I'm not sold on stars and stripes related, you know, material period, you know, so <laughs> yes. I didn't like Pap's original costume. I didn't really like his costume up until like the Winter Soldier, and I definitely don't like Falcon's costume. It, it's it's uh, it's just a little too campy for me. A little too. Uh, I'm not saying that you need to take Wolverine and take him out of his yellow spandex and put him in all black latex, but I would have liked the maybe a more toned down version of it. But I also feel like for the sake of symbolism, it needs to be bright and just in your damn face. So everything about the season finale, I like. I like that I can't trust Sharon Carter. I like that, yeah. you know, the Flag Smasher girl, um, Carly. Love who she represented it. I, I love, you know, what she meant to the series. Kind of got annoying at the at the end of it. Um, I was just like, all right, you know, this like 
you just need to fight. Like, I'm tired of hearing you talk. Like, I know you want to fight now. Like, this whole, well, we'll just burn the world then, right? Right? I'm just like, look, fight. You know, like, let's just get you up against somebody who can fight you. That, that's what you want to do. And that's what we got to see. Um, it's a shame that we've seen her killed. I would have liked to see her in uh, in the Thunderbolts. You know, that's Marvel's version of the Suicide Squad, which I'm pretty sure they're setting up for. Um, yes. But maybe she didn't make it. I don't know, man. But I, I liked it a lot. What about you? No, I agree. I thought um, it was it was very solid, and they had a, a lot to answer for. I was I was a little surprised it was under an hour. That's the one thing that kind of stood out to me. I was like, mm, that's very interesting. But they had a lot to get done, and they crossed off everything off my list that I that uh, questions that I had answered that I that I had asked. And I agree. I think the I've I've never liked uh, Falcon's cap suit. Like even in the comics, I thought it was campy. I've always thought Falcon's costume in the comics in general was very campy and over the top because it was like very it's it's very toned down in the films but in the mm-hmm. comics it, and like other media it is like it is obnoxiously red and white like it is oh, it's yeah. it's very wild the one thing i i was uh uh surprised that i didn't see is that i i know that in the comics uh um hold on i got i got my notes up in uh in front of me here um uh, I, I know that in the comics that Joaquin Torres is the person that picks up the mantle of the Falcon mm-hmm. uh, after Sam picks up the mantle of Captain America. So I was a little surprised. I thought that once he gave uh, once Sam gave him the wings uh, in the in the previous episode, I thought that he'd probably show up at like the climax of the fight. Um, but even then, like the last of the, the fight, it, it kind of like, comes and goes. Uh, I was expecting a little bit more, you know, sort of action there. But again, they had a lot of like. Uh, they had there was a lot of emotional uh, uh, ties that needed to be done, um, but I I I loved um, <laughs> I, I I do I did like where they went with everything. Again, uh, it was pretty obvious that Sharon Carter was the power broker, <laughs> yes. which it, they were definitely setting that up for a while. And uh, I love the implications of what that means at the end of the show, uh, in the post credit scene, um. And there's something, and there, there's actually an article that came out because one of the questions I was going to ask is whether we're going to get a second season of the show. And uh, the Hollywood Reporter reported that uh, Malcolm Spellman, the uh, writer for uh, uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, is actually in the works to write uh, a Captain America, a fourth Captain America film. Mm, um, so interesting. Yeah, so I feel like a lot of the, the loose ends that I am still kind of like iffy about in this movie will probably get picked up in whatever. Uh, comes next for you know this batch of Captain America characters, but again, I I loved you know uh, seeing Sam you know pick up that pick up that mantle and kick ass in a shield. When he said I'm Captain America, I I, I popped off in my chair. That was great. Um, I still love to hate John Walker. Wyatt Russell White Russell is a great wow. actor. Uh, he, he sold that role, didn't he? He did, and he and uh, I've read a lot of the, the the interviews he's done after the fact, and he's like, yeah, I'm not on social media, but like if I was, I'm sure people would hate me. Uh, and, and they did, and I loved to hate him every week. And listen, that that was a, a you know w- once I saw that they were going that route uh, with this show, where they're introducing the U.S. agent, I'm just like, okay, then that that I I know that I'm gonna eventually not end up liking this guy. And um, I, I thought the finale was was great. Uh, you know, there's the emotional weight of of you know uh, Bucky uh, confessing his sins to his friend that he had killed his son as the Winter Soldier. And, you know, I, I like that the ending uh, we do get. Um, I And what I love about the two shows so far is that they Marvel is constantly finding ways to shuffle these incredible actors and actresses into their movies. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's a podcast I was listening to that was talking about this where they're like, you know, Marvel for a long time has always looked at as like the kid franchise. Um, but then you get instances like in Winter Soldier where the where you cast Robert Redford, like a very like classical actor in in Hollywood, uh, who you know doesn't usually do things for the paycheck, like sign on and do these comic book movies, and you know you see uh, uh, players like you know Catherine Hahn, uh, who's again a, an actress in Hollywood that you wouldn't expect to pop up in a Marvel show, and and and, and Elaine. Elaine is in in the Mar- Marvel Cinematic Universe. Julia Louise Dreyfus, <laughs> like that is so cool. I am so excited to see what they do with Madame Hydra, uh, in the future. Because I agree with you. I I feel like the Thunderbolts is coming. You know, they wouldn't have brought Zemo back for no reason. And you know, you have him on on the, uh, you know, on the raft with with uh, Abomination, and then you can throw Ooh. a U.S. agent into the mix, and then I guess you know whoever may be coming from another uh you know, another movie or franchise. I'm actually not sure who else is involved. In the Thunderbolts, that's kind of a comic blind spot uh, for me. But um, I thought all the storylines were great. Uh, um, I I loved the ending. You know, when when uh, when Sam and Isaiah have that moment, I'm excited that this could again another uh, seed for the Young Avengers, maybe uh, with Eli Bradley uh, as Patriot. I look that's forward. Right. So uh, again, I'm really curious. I, I I liked both these shows so far, and. I agree that a lot of these stories could not be told in a two and a half hour movie, but I feel like whatever is left after the fact could definitely be told in like a two and a half hour movie. Um, if that makes any sense. But again, I think Marvel's killed it so far uh, mm-hmm. with this phase four stuff. I am dying to go back to the movie theaters uh, to see black widow. Cause that I, I read something where I, I believe uh, uh, Madam Hydra or like, you know, Contessa Val, whatever her full name is, was supposed to be introduced in black widow. Uh, but instead, you know, we, we meet her here. Uh, in this movie, in in a Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but I'm excited to see what they do with uh with Sam and Buck going forward. Uh, I hope we, I would love to see a second season of the show, and even if we don't, I know for a fact that we're getting a, another cat movie with potentially oh, yeah. Anthony Mackie as Captain America, which is great. So and I'm. They've only gotten better. Yeah, no, they have. The Captain America films are like consistently the best across the board. Like the first Avenger, yeah, it's it, it is what it is. Like may on rewatch that movie is I don't I don't think I love that movie as much like the the on subsequent rewatches as I did the first time but that's only because those those, those second and third movies are like top tier Marvel films like they're 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 always in everybody's top five they're in my top five so oh yeah and I think it's also because we knew what was coming after the first Avenger it was the first Avenger but the last one before the Avengers and so. We knew what was to come. We knew all the other characters had been introduced, but what are we going to do about Captain America? His film takes place in the 40s. How do we fast forward him all the way up until uh, 2011 or whatever year that was? But yeah, I'm with you, man. Um, You know, looking at John Walker and what they're going to do with the Thunderbolts, I'm a big um, sucker. And this is not to talk too much about DC. This is one of the reasons why I really like the Suicide Squad. Does everything on DC that they do uh, stick? Absolutely not. They don't stick every landing, but I think the idea of the Suicide Squad could have been uh, right up there with like Guardians of the Galaxy type stuff. You know, very funny, uh-huh. very, you know, campy, humory in your face, but we still kick a lot of ass. And I know the first one is the first one. I know they're doing another one, but I, I would like to see what we do with our version of that. Um, you know, the Super Soldier Serum is not something that's new, of course. Um, and of course, the Weapons Plus program is something that is not new in the comic books. Um, of course, Wolverine being Weapon um, 10. Um, and so on and so forth. Um, I think the Super Soldier program is also a part of that series as well. 
And um, the super soldier serum in itself is not new. Of course, Emil Blonsky, the abomination, uh, uh, took a little bit of that and, you know, fucked his whole world up. And, of course, John Walker, um, Bucky has it in him. All the other, you know, Hydra super soldier versions of Bucky that did not make the cut. And so they murdered them all and left them <laughs> to freeze for the rest of their life. They didn't, you know, that's super soldier serum as well. And so I'm excited to see, you know, more than anything else where this goes. Um, in terms of like bringing in a list, I mean, these are more than a, these are like double S tier actors and actresses. These are people who yes. have <laughs> set the template for what acting even is. So for them to be asked to come and do a comic book movie, I'm sure they probably thought this is definitely beneath me until the rest of the universe was probably explained to them. But, um, even looking back at like the defenders, you know, we had uh, Sojourner Weaver, she was in there, um, as one of the people from the hands. And I thought that that was like huge i'm like how did you get a woman like this yeah do a fucking marvel netflix show and you, i mean you, you even look at it now i read a, a casting report the other day that amelia clark has been cast in in secret wars uh the tv uh, yeah. series coming out which is like that's that's insane like that's game of, that's games of throne money like that you're throwing into what's already a very successful franchise yeah no doubt like you know you get people like that in the mix and you are cooking with some different grease there it's it's a beautiful thing to see, I guess. And this could just maybe be... So, w- earlier when you asked, like, about my interest in things like that, my biggest interest, like, of anything is, like, crossovers and connective tissue. How does this relate to something else? Where did the idea from this come from? So on and so forth. I hate to see the Netflix stuff go. I know that I might be the only yep. one on this. And I'm, and I'm not just talking about Daredevil. A Daredevil, of course, is always going to be a fan favorite. Like, he's just a badass character. Like, it's really hard to fuck him up. Like, you can even, you can, like, yeah, cast Ben Affleck, hypothetically, right? And, <laughs> and you can't fuck it up. <laughs> but, you know, I'm I'm thinking, like, dude, you know, Luke Cage and all these guys, I'm like, this is a big deal, man. And I love the way, I love the vibes of some of those. You know, they were very grounded. These are grounded characters for the most part. You know, these characters went through everyday struggles, like, you know, adults, you know, like human beings, and it was tied into the, cinematic universe i want to see us bring them back you know spider-man and jessica jones in the comic book do have history um not this jessica jones at this age but in the comic book she does have history with peter parker they went to the same high school daredevil of course i mean what really needs to be said about him he's a lawyer he's met a plethora of villains and heroes probably outside of costume um luke cage is luke cage of course iron fist has crossed over with the vendors on a multitude of occasions like i just I love the fact that Marvel's trying new things, but I hate for them to get rid of or just forget about the Netflix stuff. Like, you know, you can leave Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I might even <laughs> give you Peggy Carter as a consolation prize, but you can't you can't get rid of the, the Netflix shit. It was funny to me when I was watching WandaVision and they sh- and like they, you know, they have the big reveal where you find out that Agnes was Agatha Harkness. And then you see that book in the basement. I'm just like, oh, that's cool. But there's no way that's the Darkhold. They already did that in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And then she's just like, ah, they have a whole chapter of you in the Darkhold. I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, what? Oh, Lord Jesus. What? <laughs> that, that book is fucking scary, <laughs> man. It was so, it was, it looks so lame in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in comparison. It just says fucking Darkhold in it and like fucking aerial font. I'm like, why did I think this was cool? Like, man. three years ago. This is crazy. <laughs> but no, nah, I, I, it's funny you mentioned the, the, the Netflix stuff because I remember reading something. 
or listening to a podcast where they said, I think there's a certain like threshold of time that you they can't use the Netflix stuff in Marvel properties for a while after like the after the the buyout happened or something. I don't. I'm definitely like paraphrasing this wrong, but I believe if I remember correctly, like the earliest they can use Daredevil again in a movie is in 2021. And oh there was a lot of talking. There was a lot, a lot of talks. I, I think there was even a casting report that they casted. Um, I forget the gentleman's name, who the actor who played him in uh, in the show. But um, they said that he they they casted him in the news in in the Spider Man No Way Home, um, which was uh, which I was like, oh, that's a that's that's an interesting choice. Even though there was a meme format going around where like everybody and their mom was getting cast in that movie, um, but I don't know. Like, there's definitely a route there where. You know, you can see uh, if that movie starts with like Peter Parker in like a courtroom, and like he's Matt Murdock just happens to be his defense attorney, uh, or whatever. I would be like, yeah, that's a cool little nod. Like, I'm fine with that. That that's super cool. But I, I there's also been like you know people are speculating like, oh, like do they introduce a new Iron Fist and Shang Chi, uh, which had a trailer drop this week, which was fucking sick. Like that movie, man, it was awesome. awesome, wasn't it? That oh, dude, I have a a like again. That's another thing that I I grew up with with my father is watching those old you know crouching tiger hidden dragon like kung fu movies and this is just that except like on steroids with comic book characters and it looks so fucking cool i'm so excited to learn more about shang chi uh as, as i did with like iron man you know when, when iron man first came out and I'm, I'm super stoked about that but i definitely there's definitely an avenue to where these characters can come back uh how soon they do it, it it's It'll be interesting to see how they do it because they still have, you know, the mutants and the Fantastic Four to eventually integrate into this weird soup of, of comic book characters. And I'm I'm super I'm so excited for what the future of Marvel holds. Like I was fine having my year off for Marvel content. You know, I had my time to rewatch all the movies with my girlfriend and, you know, answer all her questions about what was going on. But now I'm ready to, you know, I'm ready to learn again. I'm ready to experience, you know. Uh, end game in the theater for the first time type vibes again, you know, oh, yeah. with the people around me. Like, I'm super excited to see what the what the future of these films, uh, you know, have in store. Yeah, because it's been too long, man. Um, you know, there was a point in time where I felt like I might have been getting too marveled out, and I've actually like you know started watching other superhero stuff too. Not to veer too much off topic here, but I'm really big in, in Invincible right now. Oh, that it's show bro. Has- that has been my so at the end of every episode I always recommend a show that I'm watching or that I want people to watch. I've I've been telling people for weeks to watch Invincible. It Did is, you watch episode seven? Did I haven't watched it? it yet. As it's time, I have not watched it yet. Okay, I'm not going to say anything. But man, look, there are very few superhero movies where I feel like there is a lot on the line here. There's a lot at stake, or I am on emotional roller coaster and we've hit the peak and I am coming down and I, there is no sign of the bottom. Like I, my stomach is just in my chest, bro. <laughs> Invincible episode seven was all of that. Like, you know, the, the show doesn't waste any time, you know, with the blood and, and the violence, but it also, you know, it's, it's almost like Spider-Man. The vibe is almost Spider-Man meets the boys. If that makes sense. You know, you get to see superheroes, yep. not as superheroes as we think they are with almost a childlike humor and the teenage angst of like Spider-Man or like, you know, X-Men evolutions. And, you know, episode seven is kind of the payoff. It's just, if you like comic books and you like the action and you like all that shit, if the first six episodes didn't sell you on it, episode seven definitely will. And probably like, bro, to, it's like on level 10, the whole episode, it never leaves level 10. Like, (laughs) It fucks you up real bad, dude. I 
we got to talk about it again because, dude, that series is amazing. No, it's fantastic. And I <laughs> just cast J.K. Simmons in anything that involves like an actor with a mustache. Like, <laughs> just just give it to me every week, man. I'm 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 so excited to sit down and watch it again. I've been I've been recommending it every week. Uh, to my friends so far. And next week's the finale episode of that, too. They're, I think they only ordered a an eight-episode first season. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I hope desperately they announce that second season soon because this show has been – it's it's been so good. I absolutely love it. But, yeah. listen, we, we've covered a lot of the uh, you know, of what's current in, in, in Marvel uh, on our current thoughts on the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Is there a, a, a upcoming Marvel property or a comic book property in general that you're excited about? Um, You know, I – it's not upcoming, but I really like the Snyder cut. Um, I had to teach myself how to like DC. I think being children (laughs) of the early late nineties, early two thousands, um, you know, they really wanted you to pick a side and that's kind of like the the subconscious, you know, pre-programming of that time was which one do you like more? And I was with Marvel and I still am, but I found a new love for DC and I'm starting to understand where their heroes and stuff come from within the last so many years. And so I seen Man of Steel and I liked it. I like contemporary retellings, like how Unbreakable and Split and Glass are contemporary retellings of other superhero franchises and stuff. Um, and I liked Batman versus Superman. I do think that it is a shame that we never got a solo Batman Affleck film, but maybe we can I get agree. one of those in the future. Um, first Wonder Woman was good. I hate that it was good in certain areas because you can only do the us versus Germany so many times in a film. Like that's just <laughs> yes. more subconscious pre-programming of we good Hitler bad. So the movie's good. Right. And it's like, eh, all right, hold on. All right, hold on. We're not so good either. Right. Cause we need to do another spinoff of wonder woman where we talk about what america looked like in the 40s all right but anyway yeah. <laughs> um but wonder woman the first one was good um justice league of course was horse shit um it was not a good film and that's where i really got sucked into dc you know i was like i got a couple favorite characters i love jason todd he's probably my favorite uh you know of all the dc characters yes sir of course batman is a status quo you know you gotta like batman you gotta like the fact that he's just a guy being a dude and he's whooping major ass just being himself and um also just in batman's whole powers um they're they're man-made and grounded powers his his traumas and his um the things that keep him up at night are actually what makes him powerful you know his anxiety his what if this happens what if that happens i mean trying to live life uh trying to account for every little thing that could happen you would drive yourself insane and that's exactly what he's doing because he has the money to do it which and and i guess in itself money is also a power um because you know batman is not short on the bezo bucks at all he has a a shit ton of money i mean he even says it in the movies like his superpower is that he's rich so yeah quite literally (laughs) and the film showcases that very well and when i went to see when I went to see the first uh, Justice League, I was also there on a date, so I was kind of, like, not paying attention to the film. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm ready to get out of here, you know what I'm saying? Like, me and her got dinner, we got other shit we want to do, like, to get the hell out of here. But um, when I went back and watched it, I was like, wow, this is absolutely just fucking toilet water. This is bad. But <laughs> when, uh, you know, word got around that, oh, Zack Snyder, you know, stepped away from the project. Josh Whedon came. I was like, oh, okay, this because I got big Avengers vibes. You know, Batman shouldn't be telling jokes. And if he does, his joke should be, I'm rich. Like, that's Batman humor. All right, not, <laughs> I'm going to be feeling that in the morning. Ugh, Alfred. Like, that's just not, that's not Batman. And so, 
uh, when I went and watched it, I had high expectations. Cause I'm like, look, we've been talking about this movie for the last five years. It's finally fucking here. It better be awesome. You know, this is the, every deleted scene plus redone scenes, plus more scenes that were refilmed and shot for this. And none of it disappointed. It was, it was absolutely amazing from start. To, did, did you watch it? I did. Yeah. I did a podcast episode with it with one of my other friends and I enjoyed it. Like, there's, it's definitely the definitive version of the movie. Um, it's just a shame that like even if you polish a turd, it's still a turd because there's still like a bit, you know, there's bits and pieces of it that like still, uh, it, it was it was fine, but it was good. Yeah. I it was it was still a good movie. I definitely would recommend it to anyone to watch that versus whatever Joss Whedon gave us. Um, yeah, but uh, it's also funny that you mentioned how the Suicide Squad uh, was supposed to be like the Guardians of the Galaxy and like. James Gunn is is directing this the the, the Suicide Squad, uh, right. which I'm which personally I'm I'm super excited about. I James James Guardians of the Galaxy again both films to me are 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 great. Again, I know that the second one is is debatable how much enjoyment you get out of it, but I love like the you know the tones of of family. Uh, shout out to the Fast and the Furious franchise, but family, yeah, yeah, family's everything, man. If there's uh, but. I, I, I like the, the you know the the tones of that and I was really excited to see what he does you know uh direction wise with uh with the suicide squad I'm super stoked about that and um when it comes to like I'm super excited for like for Loki uh <laughs> if it's it's a coming out in June and I listen there's there's big connections to like Kang the Conqueror in this show so we can really be getting a look at Mm. The yeah, because I think one of the characters they casted like canonically in the comics is like the wife of Kang the Conqueror. So there's there's big implications for like what's coming up in this show. Um, Tom Hiddleston is a, is a gem. Owen Wilson is fantastic, and again another person who's shown up in a Marvel property. Where I'm like, what the hell are you doing there? Get down from there. Like I'm excited for whatever implications come out of that show. Like I don't know terribly like terribly much about it. Like what direction they're going for, but like. If this if it's the last time I get to see Tom Hiddleston play Loki, like whether they go for like Kid Loki or like uh, I I think in the comics there's also like a female variant of Loki that pops up at certain uh points in time, like if it's the last time I get to see Tom Hiddleston play play Loki, then like I I will I will drown in this swan song, and I'm so excited for like whatever comes out of that uh sort of whatever comes out of that. Oh hell yeah! Um, Tom Hiddleston has been a one since day one. And what's funny was he actually auditioned to be Thor, believe it or not. Yes, there's, I remember reading. That, yeah. Did you see that footage? Like he's at, he was jacked. Like the dude was fucking <laughs> huge and was like swinging a hammer around. And they were just like, "Nah, you're a Loki man." And he's like, "Really?" Because I think I'm a Thor. He's like, "Not Loki. You're you're a you're a frost giant, man. You are half frost giant." And so he just kind of <laughs> had to hold that. But I mean, looking at it now, I mean, he's you know, made a shit ton of money. Obviously his Loki is one of the most iconic superhero villains of the last, you know, 100 years. And he has his own TV show. Now, like who would have thought, you know, 10 years ago we could make a bro. It was hard enough sitting through the first store. Now this motherfucker yeah. Loki gets his own <laughs> show. Like good Lord. Oh man. It's amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about that, but, uh, Listen, uh, again, whenever more comic book stuff pops up, you know, you know me and and Rod'll eventually, you know, get the team back together to talk about it. I'm sure, like I'm 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 here for it. Uh, whatever, whenever we get back into like the the movie season again. Yes, sir. You know I'm with it, man. Yeah, but um, as we get as we you know near the end of our show here again, I ask you, Rod, the same question I ask all of my other friends, and even though we've again given you guys plethora 
of things to watch. Like, go watch the Win- Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Go watch WandaVision. Go watch Invincible. Go watch all these shows. They're great. Is there anything else for the people at home that you've been vibing with uh, that you want to recommend to the folks at home? Um. Wow. Damn. I mean, there's really so much, but then I, I guess tonight watch Mortal Kombat. You know, I know that they'll be listening yes. to this probably sometime in the future. Let's let's all watch Mortal Kombat together as children of the '90s. Okay, I get it. You know, it might be a little campy, but remember, this is a fighting game movie, so you know, there's this is you know a franchise <laughs> built off of camp and corniness. So, um, watch Mortal Kombat. Um, man, in terms of other content I've been consuming, man, I've been binge watching The Nanny on fucking HBO Max. So look, man, I don't, if I, if I were to somehow turn into a woman tomorrow, I feel like I would end up being Fran Drescher in the nanny. Hell that's, yeah. That's, that's my type of humor. <laughs> that's just my type of fun. You know what I'm saying? She's an awesome actress. The whole show is great, but obviously she carries it on her back very well. Um, yeah, just getting more in. I think right now in quarantine, it's a good time to get in touch with the things that make you, you. I feel like in the, I'll just use myself as an example because I don't want to call anybody out, but I feel like in the midst of me traveling and getting caught up and just the day-to-day of like, got a tournament this weekend, I got to apply for this, and you know, where's audition for that? I kind of forgot about like what makes me me, and I think quarantine allowed me to play the piano more. You know, a lot of people probably don't know I play the piano pretty well. Um, On top of that, um, you know, I dug out my old Pokemon cards. I'm back to Pokemon card collecting, like, the right way. I'm not out here scalping people for fucking Charizard. Like, I'm actually, <laughs> you know, doing my real research. Um, you know, back to planning events into the foreseeable future. Nothing anytime soon. But just the things I kind of forgot about, you know, falling asleep on airplanes at 6 a.m. with a handful of peanuts and a tray full of ginger ale that I, I think the steward is probably spitting. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, just get more in touch with yourself and whatever. If that means you're watching Back to the Future, watch. If it means you're watching the Terminator franchise, and what I mean by the Terminator franchise is the first two films only. And um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and or hell, the nanny, do it. Okay, this is the time for you know rediscovery. You know, it's not the time of content creation, the time of artistry and getting your name out here. It's the time of self-discovery and rediscovery and finding out who you really are in the real world. Because all we really got now is time. I love that. I love that so much. And that's a great recommendation. And Nanny's a fantastic sitcom. Like, one of the most underrated sitcoms, I think, uh, from the 90s. Um, oh, yeah. I've been, I've, I was talking to one of my other friends about, because uh, I, I did a, a Koopa's Top 5 uh, podcast, like, a, a couple, you know, earlier in the month with one of my other friends. And I think at some point I got, I, I need to, an avenue to talk about sitcoms, because it's like my, it's my comfort genre of show to watch. Mm-hmm. Like, I love watching sitcoms just because, like, they're mindless. I can do other stuff in the background and sometimes they make me laugh and cry. So it's, it's great stuff. Um, as for what I've been consuming this week, um, my life is revolved around one show and one show only. And that is, uh, this outside of, you know, Falcon and winter soldier and, uh, and, uh, invincible, which I'm watching weekly. Uh, I've been watching the circle on Netflix. The second season of it just dropped, uh, last week. And if I love reality television again, it's a guilty pleasure. I love watching hot, stupid people be hot and stupid on a camera there in front of people. So uh, the circle is a, is a great sort of like it takes like the the strategic like uh, like, you know, uh, gameplay aspects of a show like Survivor or Big Brother. Uh, and they sort of turn on its head with the show like Catfish, where uh, you get these eight people that are sequestered in a house into their own little like apartment buildings. And they 
can only communicate with the other members of this apartment complex via a social media app called The Circle, in which you like mm. make a profile. You can t- you can text back and forth with people in the circle. Uh, some people are playing as themselves in the circle. Some people are catfishing and playing with other people. There's a contestant in this season's show that is pretending to be Lance Bass from NSYNC. What um, the hell? Yeah, listen, it's 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 so and uh, the the goal of the game is to each week, you know, get people to uh, to vote you as as uh, the most popular amongst the people in the circle. Uh, in which you get to choose who gets to go home every week, and it's it's a fun game of like social deceit, and uh, you know strategy. I I absolutely love it. The first season was uh, it, it, the first the first season came out last summer, I believe, or like it, it feels like it came out forever ago. My God, but it came out it came out like, like sometime in like early two thousand and twenty, late two thousand nineteen, but. Uh, it's so good. They're releasing four episodes weekly. They just released the newest batch of four episodes this week. It's on Netflix. Highly recommend you watch it if you like competition reality television. And again, watching hot people be stupid and hot on television. So uh, yeah, go like watch the circle. People. I like hot people. So I'm, I am I like those things both together as well. Hey, man. I'm here for it. I'm, I, I, don't, I don't recommend bad reality television except – um, bad dating shows. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> that, that that's all I'll, I'll I'll recommend. Love Island, awful. But my God, is I can't stop watching it. It's a car accident for sure. But uh, <laughs> listen, we we uh, we've been going for a bit. Uh, Rod, my friend, thank you so much for sitting down and talking to me today, indulging me in these nerdy conversations. Uh, I knew you'd be a home run once I had my my list of of you know of people I'm, I'm putting together the first season of a podcast and I need to get the, <laughs> you know, the, the Avengers in line of who I'm, I want to be on my show and you delivered in spades, my friend. And thank you so much for talking with me today. No, thank you for having me, man. It's a, it's a pleasure, man. We don't get to sit down and, and chat very often because, you know, these events keep us busy and, you know, just, they don't like to schedule us blocks together for some weird yeah. reason, but we'll fix that in it, 2020. Whenever we're going to fix that organize. If you've, if no, if nothing else, go back and listen to this podcast and like, you'll know that you need to put Koopa and I together on a lot of blocks. Yes, sir. I'm here for, it. but, uh, listen, Rodney, uh, let the people know where they can find you. What do you got going on? What you got coming up? Uh, where can the people at home find more of, uh, Rodney Conyers jr. Um, you can follow me just on Twitter and Instagram at Rodney Conyers jr. Um, I, good Lord, this is, I'm improv. Um, we're going to be doing a lot more of that here pretty soon. So Koopa, you'll find me out in your neck of the woods once I'm all vaxxed up. Um, yes, sir. Freestyle Love Supreme and Freestyle Love Academy. Freestyle Love Academy is FLS underscore Academy. If you like hip hop, if you like acting, if you just like, or maybe just want to come and see me, who knows? I'll be there. Come check that out. Follow that on social media. I'm also doing a little playwriting myself too. So I'm, I'm kind of keeping that one under wraps, but when it's ready to, to go, you know, you'll be one of the first people to know about it. And we can nerd out and talk about all the things that makes musical theater, musical theater on your podcast. Yes, sir. I'm here for it. Um, That's awesome. I, lo- I love that so much. And I'll make sure to, I'll make sure to put the links to all these things below in, in the YouTube des- in podcast description, what we got going on here. But Folks, as always, uh, you, again, you know you can find me. Uh, I am at Koopa NJ across platforms, uh, Twitter, Twitch. Uh, you guys can, uh, again, check out the show at Cooped Up Pod on Twitter. Email us questions and feedback at CoopedUpPod at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, we will be seeing you guys next Saturday for more uh, of the the good, the bad, the nerdy, and everything else that falls in between, ladies and gentlemen. In the meantime, have yourselves a wonderful weekend and take care.